We are who we are because we have embraced who we were and what happened to us. But that cannot define us. It's a part of us. Hey there, this is Bev, and you're listening to the People at Work podcast. Uh, People at Work is brought to you by Jostle. Jostle is the creator of an employee-based intranet, and we're trying to do things differently, not only with our intranet, but in the material and information that we're bringing to the world to share things with you that uh, really impact the way that people have a wonderful experience at work and the things that make work just frankly better. So today I'm really excited to be speaking with uh, Flip Flippin. Uh, Flip is the lead author of the New York Times bestseller, The Flip Side, Break Free of the Behaviors That Hold You Back. And he's also the founder of the Flippin Group, one of the fastest growing educator training, corporate talent and team development companies in the U.S. Flip's newest book and the focus of the podcast today is called Your Third Story, All Through the Life You Were Meant to Live. And I know that uh, Flip is really proud that uh, this book was number three on Amazon on the first day that it was released. So congratulations, uh, Flip, on that achievement. And welcome to the show today. So Flip, today we're talking about stories. So why don't you start with a short version of your story? Oh, great. (laughs) Well, Bev, first, thanks for having me. It's absolutely a joy to get to be with you. And congratulations on all the things you've been achieving with the podcast. We're really impressed with that. And well well done, my friend. Well done. Um, Thank you. So, you know, this, uh, the the book, Your Third Story, uh, what led us to write that book was that we just see so many people that are stuck. And, you know, the question is always, you know, how do, how do I get where I could go? How do I become who I could become? I mean, how can I live this life that I really believe is inside me, but right now I'm not able to do? And, and so as we sat and played with ideas, and obviously me being a, a shrink for a good part of my life, you know, you end up thinking about how people process life. And and so we realized it was a first, a second, and, and hopefully can be a third story. And that's that's what led to it. Well, that's amazing. I, I uh, was fortunate enough to um, receive a copy of the book and uh, devoured it because I was just so intrigued by the concept of, of the third story. And yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm really excited to sort of peel away some of the layers here with you today and talk about this whole idea of the the, the multiple stories of our lives. So maybe let's, um, we know that um, there's a third story, but um, can you tell us what, what's the first and second story that we have in our lives? Well, let's just, let's just play with something a second. So if I said, Bev, tell me about your life. You know, what you're going to do is what most people do, I would assume, is you're going to say, well, you know, I was born here and I grew up here and these were my parents and this is where I went to school and these are the activities I was in. And, you know, and 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 of course, that's that's a great story. It may have uh, lots of positive things, but it also could have a lot of pain in it, too, because people have all kinds of different first stories. But here's here's the catch, Bev. You didn't write that story. You did not write that story. You were born into that story. You lived that story. It's part of your life, but you didn't write it. You did not author that story. And that's the key thing that people have to stop and think about because, you know, I just had a class reunion here not long ago, and it really struck me as interesting that in our class, there were, there were just a handful of people that they are still stuck in their first story. 
I mean, they literally, they've, they've not ever gone on and done anything with their life. And uh, somehow their family and, and those kind of situations just kind of defined who they were. And that's who they've been the rest of their life. Well, that first story is powerful, but you didn't write it. That's the takeaway. Well, mm-hmm. sometime around early adolescence, we, we generally begin this second story. And that, honestly, is where most people live most of their lives. There are other people that are writing scripts for us, and they, they really think we should live our life in a certain way. I mean, uh, you know, forever, uh, we have believed that, uh, you know, you grow up, you finish high school, you go to college, you get married, you have children, you get a job, you work forever, you retire and you die. And, and that's kind of how it's played out. And well, what happens if you wanted to delay marriage? Or what if you wanted to delay children? Or what if you wanted to go hike the Himalayas? Or what if, you know, there are things that people dream about, but we can't do because other people are writing scripts for us. But in our second story, it's not just that we have other people writing things for us, but we begin to tell ourselves things. And that's the hard part for us. I you know, uh, <laughs> I think about some personal things, you know, um, it go back to this class reunion I had here recently, which was really fun. And uh, there was a girl, you know, in middle school that I really wanted to take to a dance. And so, you know, uh, did I ask her? What do you think? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, golly, she she was beautiful. She was popular. She was athletic. She was smart. And uh, no, I didn't ask her. And uh, but why didn't I ask her? Oh, it's because I had a game that night. You know, we were at a baseball game and there were other things. And you come up with all these reasons to not do things. And you tell yourself these stories, and once you they, you get them where they're kind of believable to you, then you take them for a walk with your friends. <laughs> who are hopefully going to agree with your story, and then that becomes your story. That's who you are. It defines who you are. And, you know, in the book, is, as, as you well know, I shared the story about me being invited to Harvard to finish my doctorate, and, uh, and I didn't go, and I had a reason for not going. And uh, just as you have reasons for things that you didn't do or you didn't try, and in some cases it's things that we did do. You know, everything that we do has a story. I mean, everything, the car you drive, the house you live, the neighborhood you're in, the person you uh, have as a partner, your friends, everything is a story. The challenge is, is is it true? And I I have found that most people tell themselves things so that they can be okay where they are, like they are. And so that then leads, obviously, to the potential for a third story. Mm -hmm. Does that all make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I see myself in in a few things that you mentioned there and uh you know when uh, my husband and I decided to go traveling for two years um about five years ago now and um you know we had wanted to do this this was a, a dream we'd had and um we eventually ran out of reasons not to do it and we got to that point one day where we said why wouldn't why shouldn't we do this that's right you know yes there's the job and yes there's the living in the city that we love and yes there's all these other reasons but why not and we packed up and left and went for two years and it was the best thing we ever did so I I totally but you know that's crazy Bev you shouldn't have done that and that was irresponsible and what about 
all your commitments and, I mean, your friends and your family. I can't believe you would do something like that. You know, it's that kind of talk Mm -hmm. that we hear. But even listening to you, which was beautiful the way you said it, we ran out of things to tell ourselves why we couldn't do it. And you see, that's the beauty of it, is at Mm -hmm. some point, and, and my gosh, it's beautiful that you guys were able to introspectively look at that and say, oh, yeah, why not? But most people, they never get to that point. They stay in a job they don't like. They stay in areas they don't like. They do things they don't like. They don't. I mean, you said you had a dream. You know, how many people have dreams and they keep them in their pocket? Mm-hmm. They take them out every once in a while, look at them, and they put them right back in their pocket. And I'm telling you, dreams are not made to be kept in your pocket. They're just yeah, not. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we've had a, f- a number of people who were inspired by what we did and who did similar things after we did it. And it's just, yeah. you know, there's so many things that you should do in your life that uh, if you have the chance to do it, you should do it and not follow the script of, you know, what society or parents yeah. or, you know, people or conformists are expecting you to do. So, um, so how much of, of the second story is, is self-fulfilling prophecy? Oh, I think, I think that we write that story. It's just a terrible story. I really do. I think that I think we get in situations and we tell ourselves things. I mean, we do it all the time. I mean, you hear people constantly. I mean, I, I really feel like, Beth, sometimes we curse our own life honestly. I hear people say, golly, man, what's wrong with me? How come I can't get it right? I mean, it's like, ah, or I wish I could do that, or, you know, I feel so stupid sometimes. And and you just kind of listen to these statements that people make. They're almost like their character descriptions that are they're fine with finality. Instead of saying, you know, sometimes I, I behave in dumb ways, or t- sometimes I act silly, or sometimes, you know, I make mistakes. And, um, but to, just to learn to push that envelope and and, and quit sabotaging yourself. Quit lying to yourself. I mean, yeah. quit telling yourself those stories. Yeah, I, um, before we get into the, the third story, I, I wanted to share something with you. I was um, I'm reading a book at the moment called Mastery by George Leonard. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know the book. Yeah, sure. And Good book. I, I, it's a library book. And a little note fell out of the book last night when I was reading it. Um, and the note says... That's how you write your own story with the past as a chapter, not the whole book. And I just thought, wow, that was such a lovely little gift that fell into my lap ahead of my conversation sure. with you because it's, it perfectly sets us up to talk about the fact that we have the power to write this third story. And mm-hmm. even the third story potentially is not the whole book. That's right. right? But um, maybe let's use that as the, the segue into, um, you know, how do you move from second story into this liberating third story? Well, you said something earlier, just uh, when you ran out of things to tell yourself as to why you couldn't go on this two-year journey. Um, I think that I think that people challenge us at times, just as you said, you, you and your husband did this, and then friends looked at it. And what it did is it challenged the stories they're telling themselves. You know, I've had friends in my life that have said, Flip, what are you doing? That's just stupid. Why are you telling yourself that? I mean, why do you think that? And mm-hmm. and and when we have friends who who really will speak truth to us, 
you know, in love, hopefully, but they they confront us with things that we need to think about in our own life. Um, and I think that's really the, the precursor to being able to take a deep look at that second story. You know, I like on my Harvard deal, I was sharing, a friend of mine asked me, he said, why, did, why didn't you go to Harvard? And I started telling him my reasons, and he just looked at me and he said, Flip, that is the biggest bunch of bull. What is wrong with you? <laughs> and, and I literally, I thought, well, I need to be more convincing about my story. Obviously, Bev, he's not getting my story. Right, so you and, need to double down oh, on the sure. story. You know, for sure. I mean, what's what's wrong with this guy? You know, and so I started up again. He said, "Would you just listen to yourself? Would you just listen to yourself?" And and Bev, honestly, I mean, this is like eight eight nine years after I'd finished graduate school, and I I literally just stopped right there and listened to some of the things I was telling him. And he said, "Do you realize how stupid that is?" And I just had this very sobering awareness of the fact that I do that. I see, I see people do it in relationships. I see we've got friends right now that are in a dating relationship. And boy, the guy they're dating, I mean, they're telling themselves a story. And I'm like, that's not a healthy story. You know, listen to yourself. I mean, you're making excuses for all kinds of things. Why are you doing that? You know, why are you telling yourself those things? Uh, we do so much corporate work all over the world. I listen to companies tell themselves stories. I had a guy recently that just shared that, um, you know, the, the reason that they commingled funds uh, was because they needed to cover a cash shortfall. So they took money from one fund. It's a private equity group. Took money from one fund, moved it into another fund to cover operating expenses. But they did it without the permission of the partners. And... And they said, well, we don't feel like they'll ever know about it. And I'm like, why are you telling yourself that story? That mm -hmm. story is actually a criminal story. You realize what you're doing. You're telling yourself a story to make what you're doing okay. It's not okay. And we see people do it all the time. So I think there's an awareness. You People confront you. You see other people doing things that you wish you could do, you want to do, you'd hope to do. And see, so y'all shook some people up when you did your trip. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And by the way, I just got back from Zimbabwe. We were in a helicopter darting giraffes and rhinos for a relocation project and an anti-poaching program. And that was in National Geographic last month. And oh, amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And But, you know, people were like, man, we can't believe you get to do this stuff. And my response is always, you're right. You're right. You can't believe it. Because you won't let yourself dream it. Right. It's yeah. very believable. I just did it. I mean, it's very believable, Bev. You just, you just went on a journey. So, yeah, you can believe it. So two questions about the third story. So how much of getting to the third story is just a change of attitude around, well, I'm going to say yes to something instead of saying no to something? Hmm, that's so a, is, yeah, that's a, that's a good thought. I think, I think I, honestly, that's, I mean, that is a starting point for sure is to, is to stop and just think, you know, what could my life be? I mean, the question really I, to me is that what do you want? What do people want? Do they want to live large or do they want to live small? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about life. You know, do they want to live beyond their current situation? Do they want to live? I want them to live beyond their talents. 
I want them to push the limit on that. I want you to live beyond your dreams. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that's dream, including myself, that's ever dreamed as fully as you could dream. And so, so I think the first thing is, is what is it that you would really want? And why, why aren't you saying yes to that? And then, Bev, there's another part to this that's really important. People do not change without an emotionally compelling reason. Mm-hmm. They just don't. And so somewhere in there, you and your husband had an emotionally compelling reason. You may have had to get to the end of your excuses. It, may, it could be all kinds of things. But mm-hmm. you, you change. You're like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to live like this. I don't want to live this way. I want things to be different. And then you make a change. Well, and that's absolutely um, correct in our case. And, you know, we, we had a, a significant trigger event in our life where we lost our son. Hmm. And, oh you know, that was um, something that just made us reframe our, our whole view of the world. And, um, you know, realizing that, you know, yes, you know, life is is incredibly fragile and also, why keep telling yourself the same story every day? You know, mm-hmm. go and do the things you want to do and live your life the way that you want to live mm-hmm. it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that I know that's a very personal thing to share, but it, it's, it is absolutely, which is why your book resonated with me because mm-hmm. it was a trigger event. It was an emotional event that mm-hmm. actually made me make some significant changes in my life that uh, I'm very yeah. grateful for. But I'm sure that there are other people who who find the opposite, right? Who have an emotionally um, intense experience, but it actually forces them back into their second story, not into the third story. No, that's true. Story. Bev, and that's, I don't know if you've had that. In- yeah. And Bev, even you sharing such a personal thing that I did not, I did not know that. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very sad to hear about that. But you know, it, it tells me also, I have a a very close friend I grew up with who, um, uh, because of some things he was exposed to in the military, uh, both of his children have passed away with cancer. He's lost both his kids. And uh, he, he fell back into a very deep second story with depression and everything else. And and when I talked with him about it, his comment was, Flip, I have no, there's no, there's no reason for me to ever want to get out of bed again. And he has stayed in bed, Beth, for months. Mm. Oh and, and so another friend of mine um, found my friend's grandson, who is 12 years old, bought him a plane ticket, flew him there, and he walked in on his grandparents and said, I've come to spend two weeks with you. And, of course, now his granddad pops out of bed, comes alive again. The very next thing that I hear is how excited he is about the impact he can have on his grandson now. And so all of a sudden, when he really felt like life was coming to an end for him, and he really did believe that, and there's this third story, and I was like, you know, Tom, let's write an amazing story with your grandchildren. I mean, that's where your story is. You know, you've lived a huge part of your life. But let's write this story. And so, yes, Bev, with an emotionally compelling reason, people do look beyond where they are. They know that there is more. There is more. We all go through things, and I hate that any of us ever go through anything. But I I want to come out the other side of it with a lesson 
I, I need to learn how to love more, to give more, to be more, to share more, to care more. And obviously that's very much what, what you've chosen to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're, you're hitting on um, a critical point there around the choice of it. And I think that's part of writing your next story is that you you can choose it. You mm -hmm. can choose to right. do it or not do it. And right. yes, I, I realize that for, for some people, there are some practicalities or difficulties around changing the circumstances of their, their lives, whether it be money or just physical location, or, you know, I'm sure you saw a lot of that in Zimbabwe, you know, there's a lot of poverty that that holds people back. And that makes it difficult for you to have the luxury of choice. So, um, but if you have the the choice and the, the you know the circumstances are there, you should choose to make the most positive, productive choice for your life. That's right. And I think some people just need a little bit of help to get there. Well, and you're right. You're right. But you know, Bev, I think, and I know you agree with this. I think that even, and I've been poor before. You know, I. Uh, it's not that I've been without those experiences. <laughs> and, but, you know, you still have a choice about what your attitude is. I mean, when you're in the store, can you smile mm -hmm. at somebody when you're at work? I mean, can you build friendships? Can you? There are always choices every moment that you can make in your life that are going to expand your life. And uh, I remember with the boys, we would stand in the line at the grocery store and pick somebody that had their back to us, and we'd do nothing but just smile at them at the back of their head, inevitably, Beth, they would turn around and look at us and smile. And you just begin to realize you can influence people all around you. Just change. Change what's going on in your life right now. Make it what you want it to be. If you want friends, be a friend. If you want more relationships, then be relational. Reach out. Care about people. Tons of things you can do to write that third story. Yeah, so that's an interesting question I have around, you know, most of us have work as part of our lives mm. and we go to a workplace or we work remotely or we have some kind of means of employment where we connect with other people. Mm -hmm. And how do we include the relationships that we have with the people that we work with in our third story? And I think sometimes people who we work with are um, the negative contributors to our second story. So that's true. How do we embrace people and, and make them part of our third story in a positive way that we, we work with every day? Yeah, that's, that's very, that's very, very true. You know, if we let people at work write our story for us and define how our condition should be and that sort of thing. It's interesting. You asked this, I was just in a meeting earlier today and uh, the gentleman was saying that he really did not care for several of his colleagues and, and I was like, well, tell me what you do to recruit new people into your company and into your team. And he literally looked at me and he said, well, I don't, I don't recruit anybody. And I was like, well, then why are you complaining about the team that you have? I mean, if, you know, that whining is not, that is not an active event, mm -hmm. you know, uh, hatred or dislike or not enjoying your job, those are not actionable items. Those, those cause you to be stuck. I mean, figure out what you can do about that and make that difference. And, and honestly, it starts inside you. I'm not waiting for somebody around me to be happy so that I'm in a happier circumstance. I want to sit there and think, you know what, I, I want to bring my A game to work today. 
I want to be able to impact it that way. And, and that's the part that we control. And to what extent do leaders have the power over um, the conditions or the environment for people to make that choice? To it's be- total. It's total, Bev. It's total. I, listen, I've, I've built nine companies now. We were chosen as the number two best company in Texas to work for, one of the top 100 in the country. And I look at that and, I mean, leaders, no organization will rise above the constraints of the leadership. No organization will rise above the constraints of the leadership. And, and I love my team. Uh, all told, I guess we've got about 550 employees and spread out all over the world. And, but I love my team. Leaders totally set the stage. They set the tone. And, and there's a, a negative side to that, too. If you accept unacceptable behavior or you tolerate intolerable behavior, don't whine about the outcomes. Because you've allowed it, you've endorsed it, you've embraced it, and now you've empowered it. And from our position as leaders in companies and all the leaders we work with all over the world, um, our deal is you, you treat people well, you respect them, you honor them, you celebrate them, you encourage them, you spend them on purpose. You sp- they're not production units. You spend them on purpose. People, people come to work for people because they want to do something that contributes. And that's what we're after. You know, how does, how does leadership define that purpose? And, and it doesn't matter what you do, you have to, as a leader, you have to be able to define a purpose that serves other people. It adds value to the people that you consider your customers. If you're just trying to sell something to hit your bottom line, uh, anybody that works for you is going to be an acquisition. They will leave you for somebody who offers them purpose. And so that, that to us is everything. You really touched on a point for me there. Yeah, and I think it's you know significant when I think about some of the other conversations that I've I've had recently around the role of leaders and how critical leaders are in creating the environment for people to be successful. And when I think about leaders, it's easy just to sort of think about this amorphous group of people, but each of those leaders is an individual who has a story. And right. One of our, our biggest opportunities, I think, and you know, you and I, before we started the, the recording of the podcast, we were talking about the, the stats that we know about people being disengaged at work and how people don't like their work. And yep. there's another bit of information that goes along with that, that uh, something like 50% of people who leave a job actually leave their manager. They mm-hmm. don't leave the work. They don't That's leave right. the compensation. They're, they're leaving right. because their manager sucks. And, yep. you know, I, I think there is this, this real need for us as individual leaders to really be thinking about who we are as full people and what do we bring into the workplace and how does that impact those who work around us and with us. That's right. And this is why I, you know, I was delighted when I came across your book because I feel like it's just, it is such a, a relatable and um, intriguing way to think about yourself as a whole person. And each of us has those multi-layer of stories, but there's hope and optimism here that we can actually bring about change. And that starts with individuals. It doesn't start with, you know, big groups and organizations. It actually starts with the individual leaders who show up at work every day and make That's life right. miserable for people because of their second story. That's right. So, 
Yeah. Um, I, I'm really just, you know, going to promote the heck out of this podcast because I want <laughs> everyone to get their hands on, on your book. And, um, you know, I, I think as we're, we're coming to a, a close here, unfortunately, um, I, one of the, the sentences that really resonated, resonated with me in the book was, um, there is no here without a there. And right. I, I was just wondering if, if you'd maybe be able to just uh, talk a little bit more about that. Isn't that a beautiful um, concept? I, I mean, isn't that a beautiful concept? You know, I look in my, in my own life. I mean, um, you know, I was the product of an affair. I, you know, uh, not terribly loved at home. Uh, growing up feeling very insignificant to uh, my family and not feeling smart, getting out of school, fourth from the bottom, getting into college on probation, on and on and on, you know. <laughs> I, and and I, I look at all of that. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, Bib, but I cherish it in my life because without there, I would not be here. You know, the brokenness, the pain, the heartache, the joys, the victories, the celebrations, the sense of overcoming, being able to deal with things. I mean, even in your own story, Bev, you know this is true. We are who we are because we have embraced who we were and what happened to us. But that cannot define us. It's a part of us. And so to me, when I write, you know, there's no here without a there, you know, I, I love that. And it's, it's the people that are able to bring that and make that a meaningful part of their life. It's those people who have purpose and live with character and have depth. As, as you well know, I can see it written in your face right now so clearly. It's very true. Thank you so yeah. much, my friend. What a joy to yeah, be with you, you, Bev. Golly. Yes, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm, I'm so appreciative that our paths have crossed. Me too. And, um, you know, when I, I think about um, the there is no here without a there, the here in there is also important because that's just a reminder about this being the present and how this is what is today is not forever. And it's a very good way to mm -hmm. ground yourself in knowing that you can continue to build and change and prosper further mm -hmm. from where you are today. So, um, so much packed into this very short conversation. And, uh, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you when you come to Vancouver and I hope you will be coming soon. Me um, too. Me too. And um, Me if too. I'm ever down your way, um, in fact, I'm going to be in San Antonio in uh, May. Um, I don't know if you're anywhere close to San Antonio, but um, who knows? Maybe we would I'll love have to it. We would love to see you. We'll have to visit the, again, Bev. This was, yeah, for sure. This was good time. This was yeah, good this is time. wonderful. Thank you. And um, all the best for the rest of your day. And thank you for making time to speak with me. I, I so appreciate it. It's a joy. Thanks, Bev. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People at Work podcast. I really appreciate your time and I would love to hear from you what you most enjoyed about the conversation today. If you'd like to leave us a review, please do so in the place where you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to ensure that you get every episode of People at Work, please do subscribe. And if there's any reason why you can't leave us a five-star review today, please do email me at bev at jossa.me and let me know what we can do to improve the podcast. And if you have any feedback on guests or topics that you'd like us to cover, shoot me an email at the same email address and I'd be delighted to start the conversation with you. 
Until next time, take care.